بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما over the last few weeks, we have been speaking about the conquest of Persia during the reign of Umar ibn al-Khattab Now at the same time, while the Persian Empire was being conquered, the conquest of Asham was also going on. So these two conquests were going on simultaneously. The conquest of Persia and the conquest of Asham, which is the greater Syria area which includes Palestine as well. So these two conquests were going on at the same time. And inshallah, we will talk about the conquest of Asham, Syria, and the greater Syria area. We'll talk about that in detail, inshallah, including the liberation of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa during the time of Umar ibn Al-Khattab. We'll speak about these conquests and these events. But before we get to that, I want to change the course of the discussion a little bit for a while to talk about the personality of Umar ibn al-Khattab from some other angles. So the last few weeks we've been talking all about the conquests of Persia. Now in a little bit we're going to get to the conquest of Asham as well. But before we get to that, let's talk about Umar and his personality from some other angles. So Umar ibn al-Khattab regarding his lineage, he was Umar ibn al-Khattab, ibn Nufayl, ibn Abdul Uzza, ibn Riyah, ibn Abdullah, ibn Qurb, ibn Razah, ibn Adi, ibn Ka'b, ibn Lu'ay, ibn Ghalib, ibn Fihr. And his lineage, it connects with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam at Ka'b. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had seven people in the line of ascendance up to Ka'b. And Umar radiallahu anhu, he had eight people in the line of ascendants up to Ka'b. So that's where their lineage meets at Ka'b. And the mother of Umar radiallahu anhu was Hantama bint Hashim. And she was from the tribe of Bani Makhzum. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he was from the Quraysh and the sub-tribe he was from, the branch of Quraysh that he was from, was the tribe of Bani Makhzum, from both his father and his mother's side. The kunya of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu was Abu Hafs. Abu Hafs. And what is the meaning of the word Hafs? Hafs is the son of a lion. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam gave him this title, gave him this kunya Abu Hafs on the day of Badr due to his courageousness on that day. The courage that he had, the bravery that he had on that day. The Prophet ﷺ gave him the nickname or the kunya Abu Hafs, the father of the, the lion or the son of the lion. Hafs is a shibl, son of a lion. So it shows bravery and it shows courage. Also, the oldest child of Umar ibn al-Khattab was Umm al-Mineen Hafsa bint Umar anha, And she would eventually become one of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ and one of the mothers of the believers. So her name, the daughter of Umar was Hafsa. So he was called Abu Hafs from these two angles. Abu Hafs 
with Hafs referring to the son of a lion for his bravery and his courage. And also, his daughter's name was Hafsa. So he was called Abu Hafs from both of these angles. Also, the very well-known nickname of Umar radiallahu anhu. Usually when you mention the name of Umar, this nickname is mentioned with it. He is known as Umar al-Farooq. Whenever you say Umar, most of the times you say Umar al-Farooq radiallahu anhu. So al-Farooq was a nickname that was given to him also by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And al-Farooq, it means the one who differentiates, the one who is the the distinguishing line between haqq and batil, between truth and falsehood. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he was always like that. That through him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala differentiated haqq and batil, truth and falsehood. So Umar radiallahu anhu, as soon as he accepted Islam, as soon as he accepted Islam, he was always open with it. He never tried to hide the fact. He never tried to conceal the fact that he had become Muslim. Rather, he he went intentionally and he told Abu Jahl and other leaders of the Quraysh that I have accepted Islam. So he was never afraid of the enemy. And you know, during this time, many of the Muslims, out of fear of oppression or being tortured or even being killed by the Quraysh, they were Muslims, but they were hiding the fact that they had accepted Islam. But Umar he was never afraid to proclaim his Islam openly. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala differentiated and distinguished between truth and falsehood using Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu another great companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and the cousin, young cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Once he asked Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu al-Farooq? Due to what have you been given the name al-Farooq? Why did the Prophet ﷺ give you this name, Al-Farooq? Ibn Abbas is asking this to Umar ibn al-Khattab So Umar he mentioned, in answering this question, he mentioned the story of how he accepted Islam. And he mentioned that soon after he became Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ organized the Muslims of Mecca. And there were, there were not so many of them, less than a hundred Muslims in Mecca. So the Prophet ﷺ arranged them in two lines. One line was led by Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib, the beloved uncle of the Prophet ﷺ. And the second line was led by Umar ibn al-Khattab So Umar at the head of one line, Hamza at the head of another line with the Muslims behind them. And they marched into Al-Masjid Al-Haram openly and publicly in front of the Quraysh. So after Umar radiallahu anh accepted Islam and Hamza radiallahu anh accepted Islam, these were two very strong personalities. When they accepted Islam, that gave a lot of strength to the Muslims. And at that point, it was easier for them to proclaim their Islam and to stop concealing their Islam. So the Muslims gathered and they went into Al-Masjid Al-Haram to pray. Radiallahu anhum ajma'een. So the Prophet وسلم, due to this, he named Umar Al-Farooq. Al-Farooq, the one through whom truth is distinguished and differentiated from falsehood. Once our mother Aisha عنها, was asked, Man Samma Umar Al-Farooq? Who is the one who 
gave Umar the title of Farooq. Who is the one who named Umar Al-Farooq? And Ummul Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha, she answered, An-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the one who gave Umar radiallahu anha this honorable title, Al-Farooq. So this is a great honor for Umar bin Al-Khattab that he is Al-Farooq, he is the one through whom truth is distinguished from falsehood. Umar ibn al-Khattab he was very strong in his physical characteristics as we mentioned early on. He was very tall, he was muscular, he was well built. He was very strong. And in addition to being strong in his body, he was very strong in his personality as well. The way he talked, the way he walked, it all showed strength. Once Shifa bint Abdullah she narrates that she saw a group of young men. She saw a group of young men and they were walking very slowly and they were talking very softly and when they, would eat, when they were eating, they were eating very little and very gently. She noticed a group of young men like this and she found it strange. Like, who are these men who are talking so soft, walking so soft, eating so soft? They look very soft, these men. So she asked, who are these people? Who are these men? And it was said to her, they are a nusak. Nusak, it means people who basically are very religious and they devote themselves to ibadah. They are known as the muttaqeen. They are known as the pious people. People who are known for their worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it was mentioned to Ash-Shifa that these are a nusak, the people who spend their time in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And she found this very strange. Like, why are they acting like this? They're men, right? But they're, they're talking so quietly and so softly and walking slowly and eating very little and very slowly. So upon seeing this and being told that these are the nusak, these are the people who are devoted to the religion, she said, كَانَ وَاللَّهِ عُمَرْ إِذَا تَكَلَّمَ أَسْمَعْ وَإِذَا مَشَى she said, Umar when he would speak, he would make sure that people listen to what he's saying. He would speak in a way that people would listen to him. He wouldn't speak softly so people won't pay attention to him. No, he would speak with power in his voice, with a commanding voice. And when he would walk, he would walk fast, not slow like these people. And when he would hit someone, he would make sure that that person got hurt. He would hit them hard. And when he would eat, he would eat as much as he needed to eat. He wouldn't just take a peck of bite and leave it. No, he would eat as much as he needed to eat. And he is a truly pious person. So these people, what they're doing, walking slow and talking slow, this is not, this is not ibadah. Umar and he was a true servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he was a truly pious man and he did not use to act like these people are acting. So that's what she, what she mentioned, Shifa bint Abdullah. Also from the personality of Umar ibn al-Khattab is that when he would eat, he would eat as much as he needed to eat if it was available, but he would eat coarse food, rough food. The food that he would eat it was not refined. So 
why was this? Why would he avoid eating these types of foods, luxurious foods? He wouldn't eat it at all. He would eat coarse bread with oil or with milk. That was his meal. And the reason for this was to prevent becoming attached to the dunya. Sometimes when a person gets used to always eating very good quality food, very luxurious food, served in a very beautiful way, once a person gets used to this, this is a way to become attached to the luxuries of this dunya. And he didn't want any of that type of attachment. As long as it fills his body and nourishes his body and provides him with the strength that he needs, then he doesn't need anything fancy. He just needs what he needs to survive, to live and to be strong. We eat to live, but some people they live to eat, right? But the, the right way should be, you eat in order to live, to nourish your body. That's the purpose of food. Right? So this was the way of Umar ibn al-Khattab. He didn't want any type of attachment to the dunya. So, he would eat very unrefined food, rough food. Food that many other people wouldn't like to eat. Just to avoid becoming attached to this dunya. Once, a man named Hafs ibn Abi al-Asi was sitting in the majlis. He was sitting in the gathering of Umar ibn al-Khattab So Umar he used to hold these gatherings. So he would, he would be sitting and people would be sitting around him. So once he was sitting in one of these gatherings and his, his meal was brought to him. His food was brought to him. So of course, Umar he's not going to eat by himself while, while the people are just sitting around watching him eat. No, he would not do that. So the food came to him and he told the people, come and eat with me. Come and gather around and eat with me. So the people, they came around and they gathered to eat with Umar except Hafs ibn Abil Asi. He said, I would rather not, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen. I would rather not. And he said, why not? Why don't you just come and eat with us? And then he said, okay, you know, the truth is that the food that you have been served, this food, it's not very appetizing to me. It looks very coarse and very rough. I'm used to eating, you know, higher, a higher standard of food, more luxurious type of food. So the type of food that Umar would eat, like we mentioned, very rough. He would eat like coarse bread, and just dip it in some oil and eat it, or maybe with some milk. Very simple. So Hafs ibn Abil Asi, he said, this food is too rough for me, I'm not used to this. You know, I'd rather just go back home and eat. There's food waiting for me at home, you know, that's, that's actually much more delicious and tasty than this food that you have, to be honest. So, you know, I'd rather just go home and eat at home instead of eating with you. So Umar he wanted to teach this man a lesson. So he said to him, don't you think that I can order, if I wanted to order a small goat to be slaughtered for me, don't you think I could do that? And a small goat he mentioned, because the meat of a young small goat is better than the meat of, a, of an older, bigger goat, right? So he said, don't you think I can order for a small goat to be slaughtered and get that meat? Don't you think I can order for the best bread to be baked for me? If I asked for it, don't you think that I would get it? Don't you think I can order for the raisins to be collected and squeezed and water to be added to that to make a delicious juice and I can drink that juice? Don't you think I have the, the ability to order all of these things? So then the man, by listening to these descriptions, Hafs ibn Abil Asi, 
He understood that Umar radiallahu an, he knows what good food is. Why did he mention a young goat? It means he knows that the meat of a young goat is better than the meat of an older goat. So he said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, you know exactly what good food is. It's not like you don't have knowledge of this. You know what good food is, but you still choose not to eat it. And then Umar radiallahu an, he said, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ لَوْلَا أَن تُنْتَقَصْ حَسَنَاتِ لَشَارَكْتُكُمْ فِي لِينِ عِيشِكُمْ He said, I swear by the one in whose hand my life is, I swear by Allah, that if it weren't for the fact that I fear that I would lose my hasanat. If it weren't for the fact that I fear I would lose my hasanat, then I would have joined you. I would have joined you in this, this smooth life that you have, this luxurious food that you have. I would join you in that too. But I fear that my hasanat will be taken away if I do this. I don't want to become attached to the dunya. Not that it's haram or anything to eat good food. It's fine to do that. But Umar radiallahu anhu was so careful, he didn't want to do anything that might attach him to the life of this dunya. He wanted to avoid that altogether. And he remembered the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the disbelievers. He says about them, أَذْهَبْتُمْ طَيِّبَاتِكُمْ فِي حَيَاتِكُمُ الدُّنْيَا وَاسْتَمْتَعْتُمْ بِهَا that you used up all of the good things in this world, in the life of this world, and you enjoyed the life of this world. All the good that was to come to you, it came to you in this world. And now it's all used up. There's nothing left for you in the hereafter. So you had good food in this world, you enjoyed this world, and that's it. You have nothing in the hereafter. So he remembered this verse, Umar radiallahu anhu. He didn't, he didn't want to have this attachment to this dunya, he didn't want it to be said to him that you have used all of your good things in this dunya. So he wanted to make sure that everything that he gets, all the good that he gets is saved for him in the hereafter. So he said this to Hafs ibn al Asi to teach him a lesson that I don't need this type of food. As long as it takes care of me, as long as it nourishes my body, then that's all I need. I don't need any type of luxury. I don't want to get attached to this dunya. Once Umar radiallahu anhu, he had a servant named Yarfa. And one day Umar radiallahu anhu, just in passing, he had, a, he had a, a feeling or he was in the mood to eat fish. Not that he would actually go and get it and eat it. But sometimes, you know, you just have that feeling like, oh, today I feel like this. So he just mentioned it in passing. He mentioned, oh, I wish we could have some fish. You know, I feel like fish. He just said it like that. Didn't order anyone to go and get him fish and serve him fish. Nothing like that. He just mentioned it in the course of the conversation. Small talk. So he said it and it was forgotten by Umar himself. He didn't think much about it. But his servant, Yarfa, he heard this. And he wanted to, to make this a reality. That Umar, he feels like he wants fish. I'm going to go get him fish. So without telling Umar radiallahu an what he was planning to do, he asked Umar for permission to have some time off. I need a few days off. So Umar radiallahu an said, okay, sure. You can take a few days off. So what he did is he took his camel and he went to the sea from Medina. Now Medina is not near the sea. So he took his camel from Medina to the sea and it was a two-day journey to reach the sea on the camel. 
So he went to the sea, he bought some fresh fish there, thinking that I'm going to deliver this to Omar, he's going to be happy, I'm going, I'm going to take care of his, his craving that he has for fish. Two days he went non-stop and he bought the fish. Then two days he came back. So he was gone for a total of four days. And he really didn't rest or stop much during this journey at all. Because he wanted to get back as quickly as possible with the fish. So when he got back to Medina after four days, he has the fish with him. And his camel is tired. His camel has been traveling nonstop for four days. That's a difficult journey. So the camel was sweating throughout that journey. So when Yarfa reached back to Medina, he was cleaning the camel. The sweat had gotten on the camel and it was behind the ears of the camel. So he was washing the camel. And then Umar happened to see him while he was washing the camel. So he said, Ya Yarfa, what is this? Why was your camel sweating so much that you need to wash it like this? And then he mentioned, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, I know that you had that craving for fish, you mentioned it. So I took my camel and I went all the way to the sea and I got fish back for you. I got fish for you. And then Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, Azabta bahimatan min al fi shahwati Umar. Wallahi la yadhuqu Umaru dhalik. He said, just to satisfy the desire of Umar, you tortured that animal? Just to get fish for Umar to satisfy a desire of Umar, you tortured an animal? Wallahi, Umar will not taste that fish. I will not take even one bite of it. So this was, this was the, the taqwa that Umar radiallahu anhu had. This is the concern that he had even for animals. Radiallahu anhu Once Umar radiallahu anhu, he entered his home and he was hungry. And he asked his wife, is there anything to eat? And she said, yeah, there's some food under the bed. So he looked under the bed and he found some dates, a few dates and some water. So he took that, he ate a few dates, drank some water and alhamdulillah, he was satisfied with it. He was not hungry anymore. And then he reflected that this is very simple food and it, it takes care of my need, alhamdulillah. I'm not hungry anymore. So why do some people feel that they need to nourish their body with what is haram? When you can have simple, halal, clean, pure food like this and satisfy yourself, your stomach will be full, alhamdulillah. And you will nourish your body, alhamdulillah. So he reflected upon this. I just ate these simple dates and I drank this water and I'm fine, I'm satisfied, I'm not hungry. So he said, That the curse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is upon the person whose stomach is the cause for him entering the fire of Jahannam. That some people, they're not satisfied with the simple things that are halal, but they will go into what is haram. They will, they will drink alcohol, they will eat things that are not permissible to eat. And why are they doing this? There's no need to do this. When you can satisfy yourself and you can fill yourself up and you can nourish yourself by eating simple things that are halal. So the person who allows his stomach to be the cause for him to enter the fire of Jahannam, this person is really a loser. So this was the way of Umar ibn al-Khattab Very simple, even though he reached the pinnacle of worldly power. When he conquered Syria and he conquered the Persian Empire, he was undoubtedly the most powerful man in the world. 
at that time. No one would argue with that, but still he maintained a simple lifestyle. He didn't become attached to the dunya at all. Not in terms of his lifestyle, not in terms of his food, not in terms of where he lived, not in terms of the way he interacted with other people. He, he kept humble. Alhamdulillah. Regarding the way that Umar used to dress, he also dressed in a way that showed absolutely no attachment to the life of this world. Ali ibn Abi Talib the cousin of the Prophet and a great companion of the Prophet he said about Umar, he said, Ra'aytu Umar, Ra'aytu li Umar ibn al-Khattab izaran fihi ihda wa ishruna ruqa'ah. He said, I saw Umar ibn al-Khattab wearing a, a lower garment that had 21 patches in it. When do you patch uh, an article of clothing up? When it gets torn, when it gets a rip, you patch it up. Now these days, if we get a rip in our clothing, we just throw it away and we buy a new one. Umar radiallahu an, if he would get a tear in his clothing, he would patch it up. And then if he got another tear in his clothing, he would patch that one up too. And he would continue to do this as long as it was wearable. So Ali radiallahu an said, I saw him wearing a lower garment that had 21 patches in it. This is the most powerful man in the world. And he's wearing a garment that has 21 patches in it. Look at the, the humbleness that he maintained. Alhamdulillah. Anas ibn Malik radiallahu an, he said, لَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ فِي قَمِيصِ عُمَرَ أَرْبَعَ رِقَاعَ بَيْنَ كَتِفَيْهِ Anas also said that I saw on the shirt of Umar, Umar was wearing a shirt, and I saw between the shoulders, just between one shoulder and the other shoulder, there were four patches. So that is the type of clothing that he used to wear. Look at this, no attachment to the dunya at all. Abstains from any type of luxury in this dunya. Once Umar, it was the day of Jumu'ah, and Umar was supposed to give the khutbah, and the people came to the masjid waiting for Umar to come and he was late. They were waiting, waiting, waiting for him to come but he was, he was late, unusually late. Finally he came and when he ascended the mimbar, he apologized to the people for being late. And he said, إِنَّمَا حَبَسَنِي قَمِيصِ هَذَا لَمْ يَكُنْ لِي قَمِيصٌ غَيْرُهُ He said, the reason why I was prevented from, from coming here earlier. The reason why I'm late is because of this shirt of mine. I didn't have any other shirt other than the shirt that I'm wearing. It's my only shirt I have. And I had to wash it and wait for it to dry. So I was just waiting for it to dry. And once it dried, I came. Look at this. The most powerful man in the world. The man who conquered the Persian Empire. And the man who conquered Asham. And he only has one shirt. Look at this. Compare this to the kings from other lands and, and other religions and how they live and what type of lifestyles they have and their, their attachment to this dunya. Compare that to Umar ibn al-Khattab He only has one shirt. So this was 
the humbleness of Umar bin Khattab. This was the extent of his detachment from this dunya. Uh, he had no care about any of these materialistic things. His only goal was to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and gain success in the akhirah. So he had no love of this dunya in his heart. He didn't let the power that he had get to his head. He was very powerful, but he didn't let that power make him arrogant. He remained humble and he remained focused on the hereafter. And there's a great lesson in this for us. That no matter how high your status becomes, no matter how powerful you become, remain humble. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will raise your status. مَا تَوَاضَعَ أَحَدٌ لِلَّهِ إِلَّا رَفَعَهُ اللَّهِ That if someone is humble for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will raise this person's status. And you can see this, the reality of this in the life of Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. That he was humble in this life. He was humble to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised his status. And when we mention him, we mention him with love and we mention him with respect. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us that love of him in, in our hearts. Due to his righteousness and due to his love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to, to learn lessons from the life of this great man. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be pleased with him and to be pleased with all of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Insha'Allah, we will continue with these lessons on the life of Umar ibn al-Khattab and insha'Allah, eventually we will also get to the Fath of al-Sham, we will get to the conquest of al-Sham. We'll continue these lessons insha'Allah in the beginning of January. So for the next few weeks, there will not be any classes because insha'Allah, I'm going to be going for Umrah insha'Allah this Jumu'ah. Uh, so we will postpone all of the classes for the next few weeks and we'll resume everything insha'Allah in the beginning of January bismillah barakallahu fikum wa jazakumullah khayra wallahu a'lam sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa barak ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in barakallahu fikum